And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Carry on all the way, one son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Lupa's Bits. I am your host, Lupa Barty, as always, otherwise affectionately known as Stephanie J. Barty. Um, I was just, there was this whole moment before I pressed record, and it's that that kind of split second before you hit the button where, you know, that sheer terror takes over, and it's like... <gasps> oh my God, I actually have to talk. What am I going to say? My mind is going to go blank. Nobody's going to listen. I'm going to be horrible and I'm going to completely screw it up. And then you push, blah, blah. see, told you. Then you press play and you go. And next thing you know, it's like an hour later and you're done. But you have that moment of fear. And I've done 21 of these ones. Well, not, I haven't done 21 yet because I'm doing 21 now, but I've done 20 episodes of Lupa's Bits and I did like, 80 something of 88, 9, 89, 84, 94, 94. Okay. Okay. You need to understand. I actually um, have an audience while I'm doing this. So I'm getting sign language. This is what this is. So I did 94 episodes of Mythbits. So I've done over 100 episodes, 100 podcasts. So you would think by this point, I would have it down pat. I wouldn't get that moment of fear. Um, but, you know, I do. And Dave indicated he's been doing this forever. You know, like, I don't know, since Jesus had training wheels. I don't know. He's been doing this forever. And he said he still gets that that brief second before you press record of, oh my God, I'm going to do this. So yeah, that was kind of funny. So I wanted to share that with you because, you know, I may sound like I know what I'm doing, but mm, not a chance. So how are you? Today is actually Thanksgiving in the States. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you had your fill of turkey and you're all passed out on the couch, loaded up on tryptophan and turkey farts because turkey farts are always fun. I always say there's nothing funnier than a fart, but anyway, turkey farts are fun. Say that five times really fast. I dare you. Don't ask me to do it because I'm not. I'm just saying. Um, we had our Thanksgiving in October, so yeah. I'm kind of envious because y'all get stuffing and gravy and mashed taters and turkey and turkey skin. I would just be happy with like a plate of turkey skin. I could eat the skin off a chicken. I could eat the skin off turkey. You know, like my friend Dana always says, and I totally agree with her. KFC should just come out with just a bucket of skin. Forget the chicken. Forget whatever else. Just a bucket of of extra crispy skin. I guarantee you every night at 10 o'clock before they close, that will sell out like hot cakes. 
and then you reopen about 15 minutes before the bar closes and you make up a fresh batch of skin. And I guarantee you, you will sell out then too, especially when the bar closes because everybody wants that greasy, you know, you spend the night at the bar and you're drinking and you're dancing and you're having a good time and then everybody wants that greasy fast food afterwards. And back in the day when I was doing the whole bar thing, um, me and my girlfriends, we would make the trek up the hill and you'd see the ones that couldn't make it all the way to the hill. They'd stop at the sub shop and they'd get themselves a sub. It's like, mm, no. And we would keep going until we got up to the pizza pizza. Yes, we do have a pizza place in Canada called Pizza Pizza. It's not Little Caesars. It's called Pizza Pizza. Our commercials here, Little Caesar, I think I've said this before, Little Caesar says cheeser cheeser. Whereas in the States, he says Pizza Pizza. Well, he can't say that here because, you know, he would be promoting business for Pizza Pizza. So there's a Pizza Pizza on the corner of King Street and Young, which was just down the, like a half a block from where me and my girlfriend lived. So we would hit Pizza Pizza and we would get our slice of Canadian or, yes, we do have a slice called Canadian in Canada. (laughs) Um, we would get our slice of Canadian or our slice of chicken bruschetta or, um, what was my other favorite one that I liked? Ham. Oh, oh, bacon double cheeseburger. Mm -mm. Four cheese blend, ground beef and bacon. Oh, now I want pizza. Anyway, it was really good. So then we would get our pizza and we would get our dip and we would get our pop and we would stay around home so if kfc would open just right after bar and sell a bucket of chicken skins people would be stopping at the kfc instead of crossing the road to the pizza pizza i guarantee you that would sell like no tomorrow so trademark you heard it here first kfc comes out with it you know where to go i want my royalties anyway i don't know where i was going with that whole thing But, oh, right. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, So I've been home now. Be a week tomorrow. I've been home from um, the place that I was working. And if you remember, hmm, probably somewhere in the first 10 podcasts, I'm pretty sure. I talked about um, doing a paranormal investigation in this house. And how I kind of went in um, stupidly and uh, didn't do all the things that I was supposed to do. And I came home with a friend. Well, I've been working in that particular house and said friend was not happy when he got banished back to said house. So when I showed up on the property to do work... um, the visual that I got into my head was, um, you know, the, the old cartoon villain in the, the black suit and the tall black hat and the, the thin handlebar mustache, you know, twirling the ends and rubbing his hands together in glee. Well, the first few times I was there, I didn't quite go in um, as protected as I probably should. Well, no, definitely as protected as I should have because... Um, I was getting harassed. There were scratches, there were marks, there was just, 
you know, pulling my feet in my sleep and um, pushing and just disturbances. We'll call them disturbances. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail. Some of the attacks were rather um, intimate and personal, and I would rather not get into the ins and outs of that. Um, so when I went back, I had gone to see a friend of mine who had made me a protection oil. And unfortunately, she's kind of new. <laughs> she didn't quite pay attention to what she was putting into it. So some of the herbs that were in this oil were contradictory. So they were kind of canceling each other out. So the oil only worked for a short period of time. And um, this last trip there, I was there for three weeks. Yeah, I was there for a while. Um, and I fell down and went boom. Um, I was there for three weeks and trying to gauge how long this oil was going to work was rather difficult because I was there working. I was knocking down cement walls. I was, you know, painting floors. I was rebuilding walls with putty um, and mud and cement, um, tiling floors, like the whole, excuse me, kit and caboodle. Um, yeah, me and the, the sledgehammer, we have a, a lovely personal relationship. I've even named it Percy. Uh, those of you over 40 will get the reference. Anyway, so I, the attacks were getting worse and um, it got to the point where I was being told after what had taken place because I was not, I did not remember there were large chunks of time that had completely vanished from my memory. You know, one minute I'm sitting at the kitchen table that we had, this little table that we had, um, sitting there playing a word game, and the next thing I know, I'm lying on the couch, and I'm, you know, being held down, and two hours have passed. Um, so, the last attack, um, I don't remember when I remember we were cooking the Kurt I was working with, we were cooking dinner and well, he was cooking dinner. I was paying attention because, you know, I'd like to learn I'm living on my own. Now I have to cook for myself. So, um, and the next thing I know, I am pretty much throwing up everything except for my shoes and that was about four and a half hours later. Um, it got pretty bad. There was not a whole lot of me left in that four hours, I was told. I don't remember anything that happened. There were, I, there are some moments during that four and a half hours where, um, I was almost aware like you know when you're sleeping and you start coming out of sleep and you can kind of hear things around you and you can kind of feel things around you and you're sort of aware that you're kind of waking up 
but then you just fall back asleep. That was kind of what it was like. I was not driving the car. I was a passenger in my own body. And um, that is when I knew I needed help that I could no longer do this on my own. So we, I ended up enlisting the aid of friends of mine. And anybody who knows me knows that um, I kind of pride myself in not getting myself into situations that I cannot get myself out of. I don't go into places that my gut instinct is telling me to not go into. I don't play around with stuff that I don't understand. I don't mess with stuff that I don't understand. Um, I don't encourage things that I am not sure I can handle or deal with. I usually make sure I am well protected. I am well guarded. I am well shielded. Um, and to admit that I have put myself into a situation that is beyond my ability and beyond my control and that I had let it go on for such an extended period of time that it was now starting to cause physical harm to people around me and people connected to me. Um, there was a lot of pride swallowing in asking for help and very humbling. <laughs> it was a very harsh lesson for me to learn that, you know, You can't solely depend on yourself that when you're working with things that nobody knows what they are. I mean, nobody knows, really. Nobody knows. Um, don't do it alone. Don't, don't do it alone. Don't. Uh-uh. Mm, no, don't do it alone. Um, I have scars. I have bruises. I have scratches. I have bite marks. Um, those ones are a little hard to, to wrap my brain around, but all in all, I survived. I came out of it and, um, I'm not going to give it, and it isn't it. Um, and that was something when I did seek help, was having that validation, that confirmation that no, this is not all happening in my head. Um, it, it's not a, a psychosomatic um, event. It's not a psychotic break. I'm not completely losing my mind. Um, to have witnesses to the complete and total change in not only my personality, but my voice and my actions and my eye color and um, everything. Um, and then to have that validation from a complete stranger, pretty much, that, yeah, you most definitely went through this. You most definitely endured this. You carry the 
aura and the energy of somebody who has gone through a violation, who has gone through something extremely traumatic. And um, to have a reading done and find out exactly what it was. Um, it's, it was never human. It's, it's something connected to the land. And it's very old. And it's kind of crouched over the property like a spider. And our best hope is that the things that we have done will move it along. Um, the area I was in, Stony Creek, if you research Stony Creek, it is known. And I mean, I knew this. I knew this. As a paranormal investigator, as a medium, as a conduit, I knew all of this going in. And yes, I am beating my forehead because, you know, I need to. Stony Creek is known. That whole area, that whole Stony Creek right into um, Oakville, right down into Orangeville, that whole area is known for negative energies and um, weird and strange occurrences, um, unusual things happening. And I was told that um, what happened to me is very rare. And the odds of it happening again are one in like a million. It was just the perfect storm of whatever it was, the, the renovations and me going in as open as I did that very first time and then coming back and it going, oh, look, that beacon of light is back. I can see again. Um, just culminated in the events that happened. So the odds of it happening again um, to somebody else are slim to none. Because all of those things would have to line up perfectly for it to happen again. And thankfully, they won't. Um, I will be going back to that house to do more work at some point in time. But I'm going back protected this time. I'm going back smarter, wiser, and a whole lot more humble than I did. And uh, yeah, so I has got some more learnings to do. I have got some penance to pay. <laughs> um, and I won't give it any more power. And I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Um this will be the last time that I will speak of it out loud to you guys because I come from a belief system that words have power. And when you speak of something, especially of something negative, you're giving it power. You're giving it um, almost as, as if you're giving it an invitation and yeah, no, it is no, it, no, nah, -uh. mm, no, 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 no. This streetcar is closed for rides. You, no, I, that is, that is not going to happen again ever to me in any situation. Um, at any point in time, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm even starting to shy away from, um, continuing to channel because this was such a traumatic 
experience for me. And channeling a human spirit and being ridden, so to speak, by an energetic entity. Yeah, two totally different experiences. Um, one, you have control and you're aware and there. And the other one, apparently you're not. So, yeah. Not going to happen again. So, but I wanted to update you on um, all of that and let you know that, um, yeah, dude wasn't done. <laughs> dude was not done. But uh, the last remnants of him have been removed from me. Uh, they were removed from me um, when we went for help. They were removed that night and it left a very dark cloud um, around me for several days because he was trying to find a way back in. And um, there were a few people, actually, I think there were about four people that um, could see it and could feel it and watched it kind of hover around me. Some of them understood what it was and um, kind of waited for it to start to dissipate before they reinforced their protective shields around me. Some didn't quite understand what it was. Um, I almost lost somebody very, very dear to me because of it. But like I said, I made it through. I survived. And everything is still intact. <laughs> And everything is still good. So, uh, yeah. Didn't win. And you kind of feel like a prize fighter when you come out of something like that. You know, like, where's my belt? Where's my, my trophy? Where's my, my, oh, wait, I have my sanity. I have me. Okay, that's good enough. And, you know. And then there's that period. Um, and anybody who's gone to fest, you kind of understand when you say fest let down. So there's this, this period after festival where um, it usually happens about a week after where all of a sudden you're like, did that really happen? Did I really have that much fun? Was it that? Did it really feel like that? Or is it kind of, am I just like overplaying it in my head, building it up bigger than it was? So there was a period, um, probably say, Oh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when I kind of started second guessing the events that happened and um, thinking, okay, well, you know, am I sure? Because I don't remember a lot of what happened. I wasn't aware of a lot of what happened. I was told what happened. Um yeah, but then I see the bruises and um, the marks. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, right. It happened. Um, I don't ever want to do it again. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but it is definitely an experience that has opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, both here in the physical world, uh, in relationships that I have with people in how I relate to people 
and in the metaphysical world as well. It has opened my eyes to things that I believed in, but hadn't ever seen or experienced. So you still question. I no, I don't. I don't. No, I don't question those anymore. No, no, don't question those anymore. Um, and the power of my belief, I don't question that anymore either. The strength and the magic behind my belief and my faith, because that's what got me through. That's ultimately, in the end of it all, um, it was my belief in and my faith in the tools that I was using and the things that I was doing to protect myself and to help myself, I was my biggest tool. My faith and my belief in powers stronger and larger and bigger than me and it um, is what got me through. So, all right, that's your update. That's all you're getting. That's more minutes than I had intended to spend on it, but it was on the top of my list, and I had been talking to a friend today. Um, he had made a comment um, about the somebody watching me, and uh, Jason had made a comment. He was just listening to my Devil's Night uh, podcast. He was kind of behind, so I thought, well, I had mentioned that I had more stories for him. I had new stories for him, so Jason, there you go. This one's for you, bud. (laughs) Oh, that was so totally Canadian, too. Wow. Okay, so, moving right along. Um, Tomorrow, I am, well, which will be today when you hear this, I am heading down to my sister's. Yay! I get to go and see that adorable little nephew of mine and that adorable, spunky little spitfire of a niece that, let me tell you, I am going to nurture that attitude and that strength of will in that little redheaded child, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. My sister's going to hate me, but nobody is going to be able to hurt my niece in any way, shape, or form because she will kick their butt. Um, yeah, I'm going down to my sister's. Um, she invited me down to come visit. And then, of course, you know, threw in the whole, we're going to be decorating and putting up lights, which I helped with last year. Um, we put up all the lights outside and on the roof, along the roof. Now, apparently my brother-in-law has already put up some of the lights and then she very casually in kind of an offhanded way mentioned that Scott was going to be working on the renovations in the basement all weekend. So as you know, my overalls and my work shirt, my work shoes are going to be the first things that go into my bag when I am packing to go. And then my mom actually texted me tonight and wanted to know what time I was going to be arriving tomorrow because Scott is going to be working in the basement tomorrow on the renovations. So I may just put my overalls on, my my coveralls, my overalls on and just wear them down there instead of changing when I get there. I'll just show up ready to work Um, because he'll accept the help he won't ask for the help. So if I just show up ready to work and go down and say, okay, what do you need done? Um, I've proven to him already that I can do the job that you give me. I can handle it. I can do it. Not a problem. 
my sister, she tries. God love her. She tries. There are just some things that she can't do that I can do. Um, so yeah, and I'll be down there until Monday. But while I'm there, um, I'll let you in a little secret. I'm going to be finishing up the last tidbits and tidying things up and making everything all pretty to send to my editor so he can make it even prettier. Uh, the Chosen. And it has to be to my editor by the 1st, which is Tuesday. Fingers crossed, people. Thank God they all go to bed at 8 o'clock. But, um, yeah, it's coming out in book form in December. So, surprise! You'll actually get to find out what happens to Celeste and Merrick and Randall and who wins the battle. Um... Let me just say, you are going to be surprised, and I'm either going to gain a ton of fans, or y'all are going to hate me for the way it ends. <laughs> just carry that out there. Does not end the way you think it's going to. <laughs> I'm getting the evil eye at the moment, so... <laughs> from somebody who's been following along from the very beginning. Um, so... Yeah, so The Chosen will be coming out in December, and I have seen the cover, and I am in love with the cover. I I, I had the cover up on my phone last night when I went to sleep, and I actually, um, okay, confession time, I actually fell asleep staring at that cover. Uh, I had it propped up on, I have this little wooden stand on the side of my bed, and I had it up there, and I was looking at it, and I was kind of, okay... You know, trying to give it the critical eye. Now, nobody should ever try and do that at four o'clock in the morning when you've taken your meds. Because the dreams that came out of staring at that picture and falling asleep looking at that picture were really, really cool. None of them constructive, but really, really cool. So, yeah, the cover is incredible. I absolutely love it. So... Um, yeah, so that's what's going on, uh, with my sister in my sister's world. I'm going to pop over to my brother's world for a minute. I don't talk about my brother very often. Um, he's a very private man, but I'm very proud of my little brother right now. And he is the youngest out of the three of us. Um, there's me, I'm the oldest. And then my sister, who is 10 years younger than I am. And then my baby brother, who is 12 years younger than I am. And both my sister and I tried to eliminate said little brother in our own ways. Now, she tried to do it the day mom brought him home from the hospital. I at least gave him two years and then tried to take him out. But uh, you've heard me talk about my dad. My dad was a fireman and he was a volunteer in a small town that is most of, if not all, of your fire department that is made up of volunteers. And, um, 10 years ago, my dad or my brother tried out for the local fire department and was denied. And, um, it kind of, it really, it hurt him and it upset him because he wanted to follow in our dad's footsteps. He wanted to be a fireman just like our dad. And if physically, if I could do it physically, yeah, I'd be there too. I would be one too. But um, unfortunately, with my heart condition, I can't. But 
he uh, he called me today, and my brother is now a volunteer fire department, volunteer firefighter. Wow. <laughs> so I am very proud of him, and I know my dad is very proud of him. Um, and I can guarantee you, like, I don't know if you believe in spirits and, and those that cross over watching over us. I do. And I can guarantee you, my dad was there with right beside my brother, pushing him and encouraging him and egging him on and helping him get through the tough moments. And he said there were some of the physical testing that you have to do is hard. And he honestly wasn't sure if he was going to make it to the end, but he kept going. And I, I'm pretty sure that was my dad pushing him to get him to keep going. And he got hired on the spot. So I'm very proud of my little brother. We now have another firefighter back in the family. So we are a firefighter family. Thanks to my dad. So, okay. So that's my brother and my sister update. Um, I'm a little stiff. I'm a little sore. <laughs> I don't know if you all caught the workout that I posted. I've been seeing um, Jason and Mike posting their push-ups and uh, Mike does this weird thing with a kettlebell and um or kettlebell whatever it is it's this heavy thing that he swings back and forth and I just keep thinking dude don't don't bend your elbows man you're gonna hurt yourself it would be entertaining it would be entertaining but you know he's swinging it back and forth it's bell yeah kettlebell anyway um he's swinging it back and forth and he's swinging it between his legs. And I just keep thinking, you know, it's a good thing your arms are long enough because that thing looks heavy and it could hurt. But, um, that kind of inspired me. I, I do a workout almost every day. Um, I haven't done it the last three weeks because, you know, I've been smashing concrete. I've been smashing big rocks into little rocks and, do another physical type stuff. And I'm just like, I get up, I would get up in the morning, have coffee. And sometimes if food was made, I would eat some of it. Sometimes I would be forced to eat some of it. Other times it was cup of coffee, throw my heart pills in my face when I remembered, throw an allergy pill in my face for sure. And straight to work. So by the end of the day, I, you know, we'd start at 8.30 and we'd quit at 5.30. And then a lot of times, you know, we'd eat and then each of us would go our separate ways back to whatever it happened to be we were doing that day. Um, I know when I was painting the stairs and the hallway, like the little landing for the basement, um... I spent pretty much from the time I got up till I went to bed uh, doing, working on that because there was so much that I had to um, putty and rebuild. Like I had to rebuild the corner where the two pieces of drywall met because it had all cracked and separated. So I had to rebuild that entire from ceiling to floor corner and smooth it all and like first chip away all the, the old lead paint and then 
sand it all down and then putty that entire strip from top to bottom because Elias wouldn't go and get a corner strip. So I had to make one of my own out of putty. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, and fill in that gap so that it didn't happen again. And then the bulkhead at the going down the stairs, they had, I guess the people that had lived there before had moved some stuff that was taller than the stairs and kind of took out a huge chunk of the bulkhead. So I had to rebuild that and um, smooth the walls. And then the ceiling where the attic door was had rotted out. So there was, it had to be replaced. There was a new piece of drywall. I had to blend all that into the ceiling and, then prime it all and then paint it and sand it. And a lot of it was, okay, work, 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 and then wait to dry. And then work, 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 and wait to dry. And then work, 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 and then wait to dry. And I could only go so far because they, Elias and Kurt had built me a scaffolding to go over the stairs so that I could reach the far wall. And I could only go down as far as the scaffolding. So there was a good probably a foot and a half of the wall below the scaffolding that hadn't gotten done. Um, so I did everything on the upper part, the the putty and the sanding and the priming and then the painting, and then removed the scaffolding. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned the hard way when working with somebody that is taller and stronger than me, put them at the top of the stairs and me at the bottom of the stairs. It just seems to work out better. I was at the top of the stairs and um, the it was, for, surprisingly enough, for two by sixes and um, plywood, like beaver puke, it was rather heavy. It was a rather heavy piece of scaffolding. And instead of taking it all apart, we just kind of picked up the entire thing. And I had it on my left shoulder, part of it on my left shoulder, and it slipped and yeah ow <laughs> it hurt <laughs> I'm not happy so um yeah it's that's not the first battle wound that I've gotten from working physical labor I when we were working at my sister's my sister kind of kept a running tally of who got the more injuries between me Scott and Kurt um I usually got the award for first injury of the day because I am a klutz at the best of times. Clumsy is my middle name. Get me moving before coffee and it gets dangerous. So I actually smashed my finger when I was removing the huge stumps before I took out the cement walls. And at first I thought I just bruised it. I didn't actually think that maybe I had done anything to the bone. And um, I whacked it the other day and went, <gasps> oh, no, I actually do think that I did crack the bone in between the two stumps. It still hurts a lot. Like I'm rubbing it right now and it hurts, but it, it's weird. Um, it's on the top of the finger. So I think... I either really bruised the bone, like deep into the bone, or I cracked it because it's still, when I whacked it the other day, it almost dropped me to my knees whole. It hurt. I'm surprised Crystal didn't hear me. 
in the house because I let out a screech and I scared the birds. They were all gone. Squirrels, they were gone. I'm pretty sure there we have a big gray squirrel out here in the yard that has white tips on his ears. He's the cutest little thing. Oh, well, he's not little. He's huge. He's about the size of a house cat. But I'm pretty sure I put those white tips on his ears. I scared him that bad. Um, yeah, but I didn't do my workout. So watching Mike and Jay do these push-ups and whatever else it is that Mike does, uh, kind of inspired me to get back into doing my routine. And I had a set routine. I would do crunches and then I would do leg lifts and I would do pelvic lifts and then I would flip over and my sister would do this weird leg arm swimmy fishy thing that just if you're over a C cup does not work for you so I didn't do that um but then we flip over and there would be push-ups and then like three rounds of push-ups five push-ups each and then um three sets of 15 second planks so I watched them and I thought, yeah, okay, you know what, let's get back into it. So I did. And I actually surprised myself because at the beginning of the summer, I could do five very difficult push-ups. And that was on my knees, doing just the upper part of my body with, you know, my knees bent, um, and today I managed to do, now not all at the same time, there was 10 and then there was like a holy crap, I need to breathe, somebody get me some oxygen. Um, and then I did another 10. But I did them plank formation, you know, arms and toes, basically hands and toes, <laughs> whereas all that was touching the ground. And I kind of, I impressed myself. So I didn't... Um, I did, I, I built muscle over the summer. I built stamina over the summer. And, um, you know, well, now we're into November and I'm still doing it. And I didn't see the changes until today, until I did that and realized I can do that. Um, and that's when I kind of went, oh, wow. All right. Cool. Um, I am making changes. I am getting physically healthier and my body is getting physically stronger. So yeah, I was impressed. Don't worry, Jason, I'll protect you. It's all good. <laughs> um, okay. So I've been going on now for 42 minutes and I haven't even gotten to the main part of what I want to talk about. So this is definitely going to be an over an hour podcast because I am not going to um, scrimp on my time on this next part because this is way too important to me and I'm going to bring my guests onto the show with me. We have Sam, Funko Pop, and Dean, Funko Pop, and they're going to hang out with us for this next part because they're my boys. All right, Supernatural. I'm sure you figured that out by now. 
I'm going to talk about Supernatural. And I needed a couple of days. I was going to do the podcast right after I watched um, the final episode so that you could get um, my initial reaction. But (laughs) I don't know if it's because my grandma just died and I'm still a little emotional and everything that happened um, or, you know... It's because I really, 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 really love this show and I really connected with the characters that I was incredibly emotional. And it kind of started in the second last episode when, okay, now I'm going to warn you now, if you haven't watched them, stop listening because it is going to be spoilers from here on out, just so you are aware. If you have not watched the last episode or the last season of Supernatural, stop. I'll give you a minute. Just stop, turn it off, go watch, and then come back. Okay, now that they're gone, here we go. Okay, so I was watching along and I didn't realize um, as I was getting caught up because I kind of left a large chunk of them. I started watching season 15 And as I'm watching characters saying goodbye and knowing that we are hurtling as fast as the little Impala can take us to the final episode, um, I panicked. I did. I literally, I panicked. And I had to go back to season one and start all over again. (laughs) I got up to about season five and... I couldn't do it anymore. I know, I knew Supernatural had just ended um, like a week ago, I think, or a week and a half ago. And I had started watching the season. So I was about five or six episodes in. Um, so I sat down and I started watching them, getting caught up. And I didn't realize when I hit... Um, inherit the earth which is the second last episode that that was the second last episode and I'm watching and um, Cass is is looking a little verklempt and I'm I'm, I'm kind of going wait a minute wait what's going what's happening here um, and it was Cass's goodbye it was his exit from the show it was how they tied up his storyline and he had made a deal a couple of seasons ago uh when we first encountered the the nothing the empty um he had made a deal for jack's life that if he ever experienced a true moment of happiness then the empty could come for him and take him back as long as the empty spared Jack's life at that point in time. So Castiel being, you know, the sneaky angel that he is figured that that day would never come because what Castiel wanted, what he thought would make him truly happy. He could never have. And that was to be human. And that was never going to happen. He was a divine being. He was an angel. Angels can't be human. That just doesn't happen. Um, but death was uh, literally at the door. <laughs> She's at the door 
And uh, she's coming through to kill Dean. And the only way to save Dean is to summon the empty. Now, the empty can take out death. But the empty cannot come to Earth unless it's been summoned, unless it's been called. So Castiel does his whole thing. And he kind of realizes that he didn't need to be human to have the human experience that he had had that experience that he had it with Sam and Dean and with Jack. He was family. He was their brother, the third brother, not Adam. Adam was never, I mean, biologically he was the third brother, but he was, they kind of forgot about him in the pit 10 years ago. Um, I'm surprised he was as well-adjusted as he was when he came out. Although, really, he wasn't. Um, so, that's when Castillo kind of had his moment of pure joy. When he realized that he had been changed because of Dean. And who Dean was and what Dean believed and the strength of Dean's conviction to save people, hunt things, the family business. And his strong moral compass. I mean, yeah, okay, in in the early seasons, um, Dean was was a, a, a bit of a player. Um, he, uh, he liked the ladies. But... He always had this strong moral compass. He always had clearly defined lines between right and wrong, good and bad. And, you know, his strong belief that angels are dicks. And they kind of wrote them like that. They, they The angels in Supernatural really were, most of them, really were. Um, Anna was not. Anna was not. Uh, she She ended up being one, but she didn't start out that way. Um, and Castiel started out that way, but he didn't end up being that way. And I'm not even going to go into the whole controversy between the Spanish version and the English version, because I'm going to give you my opinion on that scene, on both scenes, actually. In the English version, Castiel is saying his goodbye, and he's telling Dean that, you know, he was made a better person keyword person because of Dean that everything that he did from the moment he ripped him from what was it um gripped him tight and raised him from perdition um he had learned so much from Dean and and he tells Dean I love you now in the Spanish version Dean says I love you too now, my opinion on that particular scene, whether it's the English version with Castiel saying I love you, whether it's the Spanish version with Dean saying I love you back, it's a guy thing. It's a brother thing. Those two have grown together to be best friends, to be brothers in arms in any way possible. They have, Dean has saved Cass's life and bargained for Cass's life just as many times as Cass has saved Dean's life and bargained for Dean's life. They are brothers. They are best friends. So it's only natural that, you know, 
dude's leaving. He is about to be taken out by the empty, which means there is going to be nothing left of Castiel. He's going to be gone. It is only fitting that he says, I love you, man. I love you. It was perfect for me. It was perfect. Perfect. And I bawled. I was not prepared for him to, I thought he would at least make it to the final episode. I was not prepared for him to leave in the second last episode. I was not prepared. So I have an article that I want to read um, that kind of talks about the, well, it, it is, it talks about the final episode. There's no, again, spoilers. So I'm going to read you the article and I'm going to put in my own commentary as we go through the article. I'm not going to save it till the end because I will forget things. I always do. Like when I do a reading, I will put in my own running commentary with the definition of what the card means. And then I will give you my definition because if I wait till the end, I will forget. And I have said that, I don't know how many times you have heard me say on the podcast, we'll get to that later. And guess what? That never happens. That never happens. We never get to it later. I really do need my audience to have flashcards so they can write down what I say I'm going to get to later. And then when I start wrapping things up, they can hold the flashcard up. And they go, oh yeah, right. I know you're listening. <laughs> anyway, okay. So this is the article. Supernatural series finale. Why Dean's fate works. The Supernatural series finale was a contentious one. Here's why we think this was the perfect ending for this show. Now, this is on Den of Geek. And the article is written by Juliet Harrison. So, a lot of fans were hoping that Supernatural would end the way its penultimate episode ended. With Sam and Dean literally driving off into the sunset in the Impala to new and unknown adventures. When it comes time to rewatch the series, a hefty undertaking considering there are 15 seasons of it, and I have done 14 seasons of it several times. In the last two years, I do believe I have done it at least four times that I can think of off the top of my head. I have gone from season one to season 14 at least four times in the last two years. Um... A hefty undertaking considering that there are 15 seasons of it. No doubt many will choose to stop there. The episode even has a series finale style montage of moments from across its 15 years to go with that classic conclusion. Now that was the second to last episode. That was Inherit the Earth. And um, they very well could have ended it there. That could have been the end. But there would always have been the question, with especially with us, the fans, are they going to come back? Are they going to bring the show back? Is there going to be more? And there will never be more. There won't be a reunion show. There will never be more. It needs to go out on this note. It needs to just end. Kind of like ER. It needs to just end. Done. Over. Um, but Supernatural didn't end with Inherit the Earth. In a show where death was in danger of losing all meaning... It was never really going to be over until we'd seen the Winchesters finally die. For good. We really mean it this time. No take backsies. Sam and Dean have watched each other die, grieved each other, and brought each other back from the other side so many times that we needed to see them reach their final rest. And y'all know what that means. 
in a much improved new heaven without demon deals or miraculous resurrections or angel rescues or anything else. When Dean gets Sam to agree not to bring him back, there's almost there's an almost palpable sense of relief, as sad as it is. Oh, I, when I realized that this was Dean's moment, that he was leaving, that this was where he dies, and it was the beginning of the end, <laughs> I was no good. I actually had to pause the show because I couldn't even see the screen. And I do believe there are a couple of dents in my poor box of Dean because I was hugging it so tight. There are a couple of teardrop marks on the top of it, but I was hugging my poor Dean um, as he died. And I'm looking at it going, no, no, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not ready for this. <sighs> no more deals. No more accidentally ending the world trying to save each other, which they've done a couple of times. Just a normal human death fighting vampires. And just as we needed to see the Winchesters, Winchester boys die to really get closure, it had to be Dean who died young leaving Sam to live out a long and apparent happy life before joining his big brother at last. Now, okay, I'm going to read this next part, and then I'm going to tell you. There are several reasons why it had to be this way. Now, for one thing, I'm this is me interjecting here. Dean has always been a hunter, right from when they were kids. In all the flashback scenes, Sammy is the one that is trying to learn in school and trying to get the education and trying to make friends in each new place that they go to. Dean is just there for the girls and waiting until he's old enough to go on a hunting trip with dad. Dean, Dean has been a hunter from the beginning. It is all that he knows. It is all that he is. He cannot be anything else but a hunter. Okay, so one reason is to honor creator Eric Kripke's original planned ending for the show without simply replicating it. As many fans know, the series was supposed to end with season five. Yes, season five. We just ended with season 15. Season five was the original finale. The episode Swan Song, which ended Kripke's original arc plot. But it was renewed with the magicians Sarah, when the magicians Sarah Gamble took over as showrunner, followed in later years by first Jeremy Carver, then Andrew Dabb, and then Robert Singer. In Kripke's finale, Sam died. He went into the cage with Lucifer, riding his body along with Adam and Michael. And that's where Adam went into the cage. Their third brother, that's when he went into the pit, into the hole in the cage. And they left him there for 10 years. 10 years. Anyway, but I digress. And Dean retired to live a family life with his girlfriend, Lisa, and her son, Ben. Repeating the same ending, Sam dying and Dean trying to move on would have felt redundant. It wouldn't have felt right. But reversing it so Dean dies young and Sam has to move on and start a new life with a wife and son, but without his brother, that honors Kripke's original ending without pointlessly repeating it. No offense to Kripke. But it has to be said, it takes, it makes a lot more sense this way, this way around. Anyway, since the very beginning of the series, Sam has been the one trying, see, I just said this, Sam has been the one trying to escape the hunting life they were raised in and settle down with a family. Well, Dean has always been the hunter through and through. And hunters don't usually die in their beds of old age. No, no. Hunters die with their boots on. In the pilot episode, Sam has a girlfriend he loves and a career plan, all of which takes 
gets taken away from him when Jessica is killed and Dean comes asking for help. And Dean actually makes reference to that night when he looks at Sammy and says, Dad's gone on a hunting trip. He hasn't been home in a few days. And in the final episode, in Dean's final moments, he makes reference to that, to Sam, about how he stood outside of Sam's dorm, dorm room door for hours, terrified that Sam wasn't going to answer, that Sam was going to turn him away. So that was one of the little Easter eggs for those longtime fans like me. Um, another one, actually, that was mentioned on... Um, my public life as an American nerd was the clothing that they were wearing. And I didn't even like clue in to the clothing. Didn't even like pfft, dawn on me. And I actually went and pulled up screenshots. I'm like, holy crap. They really did. They replicated the exact same clothes that they were wearing in the pilot episode, which was really, really cool. Okay. So where was I? Right. Uh, Dean, com Dean comes asking for help. When Dean spent a year in purgatory, Sam found another girlfriend, Amelia, and a dog, and tried to settle down. Noticing the theme? But when Dean spent a year living with Lisa and Ben while Sam was gone, because Sam went to hell too, he didn't adjust too well. He was always on edge, looking for things to hunt, never quite settled. While he resents Chuck's dismissal of him as a killer, Dean did always get more out of the hunting life than Sam did, taking satisfaction in it as a calling, and even enjoying some aspects of life on the road. Dean was his father's son, and a hunter born and bred. Sam took after their mother a bit more, the more of a yearning to be able to give up that life and rest. Of course, Sam doesn't necessarily give up hunting altogether, as we see him answer a call for help made to Dean's other, other phone. Which, I think, um, actually... When Sam answers that, when he goes through Dean's drawer because the phone is ringing and he actually answers Dean's other other phone, that's the first time you actually see the physical phone. It's always Sam calling or Castiel calling and you get the answering machine that says this is Dean's other other phone. But that's the first time I think we've actually seen the other other phone. So um, he is also presumably married to another hunter. Now, the writers have carefully have been carefully setting up Sam and Eileen, Eileen, Eileen's, blah, Eileen's relationship throughout this final season, giving Sam a possible future family. Whether the actress was unavailable or whether they simply made a choice to focus on just the boys and Bobby and randomly Jenny the vampire. For this finale, the blurry woman in the background, while Sam is playing with his son, could easily be Eileen. And she seems to be the right height and the right hair color. And Eileen is as much a hunter as the Winchesters. Now, I have to object here. The woman that I saw that they had standing on the porch um, watching Sam and young Dean, which is what he named his son. He, he named his son after his brother. Um, she kind of had blondish. To me, it looked like she had blondish hair and she was taller and wafier than Eileen. Eileen was short like me and and compact and dark haired. She was she was kick ass cool. Anyway. Um so Sam is probably still hunting, but perhaps it forms just a part of his life now rather than the whole of it. The way he left the bunker and turned out all the lights certainly suggests he's not living there anymore and perhaps that he's exploring other things as well. And that I like the way they did that. They didn't make a big deal about saying goodbye to the bunker. Um 
Dean's phone rings. Sam answers it, says, okay, I'm on my way, grabs his duffel, shuts the lights out and slams the door. And all you hear is that slamming of that door echo throughout the bunker. And you know, you just, you know, that's it. He's not coming back. That is the end of life at the bunker. He can't be there. Well, you see that whole thing play out um, before Dean dies. You know, the morning routine, Sam's cooking the eggs, Dean catches the toast out of the toaster, and then after he dies, Sam's cooking the eggs and the toast comes up and Dean's not there. And you can just see it on Sam's face. Like, that's, he cannot be there in that room. He can't. That that bunker is too full of memories. Everywhere he turns, his brother is there. A memory of his brother is there. So... While Sam is being carefully set up with a future family all season, Dean hasn't had any real significant relationships outside of Sam, Castiel, and Jack for years. While he was a rampant womanizer in earlier seasons, this was later toned down, and his last romantic interest was Amara. And that was a rather complicated relationship, considering it's God's sister, and she is the darkness and God is the light. It made for a really interesting, non-sexual, non-physical relationship. Um, when Castiel tells Dean, I love you and sacrifices, sacrifices himself two episodes before the end in despair. No, was it despair? Oh, it was despair. Oh, my bad. My bad. It was despair. Oh, it was despair. Let me tell you. It's left up to viewers to decide whether he means it romantically or platonically. And I told you, I am not touching it on that. I have already given you my opinion, but it's undeniable that Sam being his brother and Jack, his surrogate son, Castiel is by far the closest thing Dean has had to a love interest in years. Oh, please. And Castiel is an angel. He belongs in heaven. It's a, it was a bit disappointing not to see him there to greet Dean. It kind of was. Considering how big a part of the show Misha Collins has been for 11 years. But Dab clearly wanted to focus as much as possible on the Winchesters themselves and avoid taking away from the welcome appearance of original Bobby. Bobby confirms that Jack brought Castiel back from the empty and that both of them worked on reshaping heaven. So he is around along with Dean's parents, Bobby himself, just about everyone Dean loves except Sam. Sam has ties on earth, people to go to and to care about. Almost Dean's whole world, except for Sam, is already in heaven. Some fans have been surprised, may have been surprised at what took Dean out in the end. A random bit of bad luck during a random mission against some anonymous vampires and a first season character who's barely remembered. Jenny was turned into a vampire and then escaped the Winchesters in season one's 12th episode, Dead Man's Blood, in case you were wondering. But that, too, was the way it had to be. We've seen the Winchesters psych themselves up for apparent suicide missions many times, and in several cases, they've even died. But in the end, as in real life, Dean doesn't know this is the day he's going to die when he wakes up in the morning. He's on a hunt and he just runs out of luck, like so many others before him. And even this was foreshadowed early on. It's easy to forget that the Winchester's first real brush with death came long before Sam stupidly turned his back on a still-living enemy with a knife in Season 2, All Hell Breaks Loose. And before Dean ended up in a coma following a car crash in the same seasons in My Time of Dying. No, Dean's first near-death experience came in the first season episode, Faith, the episode that introduced the Reapers, and which was one of the earliest episodes to set the tone and themes for much of the rest of the series. It's one of Kripke's favorites. 
most of the episode is dedicated to Sam's desperate attempts to save Dean from impending death as a result of heart damage due to electrocution. But the actual near-fatal accident happens quickly during a routine hunt in the cold open. The boys are fighting a rawhead, and Dean just gets unlucky. It makes perfect sense, then, that rather than some huge showdown fighting God or death, in the end, Dean just runs out of luck, just as he had 15 years ago. This, then, is how it had to be. Season 15, as a whole, has seen appearances from many returning faces, of friends and foes alike across the season. Despair gave Castiel a suitably emotional send-off, tying his fate to Dean's as it has been since his very first appearance in Season 4. Inherit the Earth acknowledged aspects of Kripke's finale, putting Michael and Lucifer against each other one last time. But ultimately, this was the fate the Winchesters had been hurtling towards since Dean dragged Sam away from the college in the very first episode. Dean was always going to die on a hunt, and Sam was always going to have a better chance at building a life for himself. And now, in whatever far-off future year we left him, there's still a young Dean Winchester around, and perhaps his dad left him a key to a mysterious old bunker full of strange books and a battered old notebook full of monsters. So they do kind of leave that open... Um, for the possibility of a supernatural spin-off with Sam's son, Dean... And you do see when he comes in at the end, when Sam is at the end of his life, um, the son comes in and as he puts his hand down, you see the tattoo on his son's arm, the tattoo that both Sam and Dean have on their chests. So, I mean, (sighs) yeah, the possibilities there. Um, I don't see it happening. I don't see how it could happen without Sam and Dean. It wouldn't be supernatural without Sam and Dean. Sam and Dean have been the constant from episode one to the final episode of season 15. From the pilot to the finale, Sam and Dean have been the constant. Jensen Eccles, Jared Padalecki, they have played those characters. They have been the one constant for 15 years. I don't see a spinoff without them. I don't see a reunion without them. I don't see a continuation five years down the road with Sam's son without them. It's not supernatural without Sam and Dean. It's just, it's not. In my opinion, it's not. I would have loved to have seen um, Wayward Sisters. I would love to have seen Jody and the girls do something and Donna. That would have been really cool. But apparently the CW decided, "Mm, no. (laughs) Girl power, "Mm, no. But anyway, I digress. Carry On, which was the final episode, is essentially an epilogue to the entire story. Whereas the pilot was the prologue, Carry On is the epilogue. And when they started the, the episode with some rando song... Totally out of context for the way every single season has gone. Every single season, the last episode starts with Carry On My Wayward Son. And this one did not. Well, there was, I think it was last, there was another season too that did not end with Carry On My Wayward Son. Um, 
And it wasn't until Dean was dead and he gets into baby and he closes the door and he starts the car and the radio comes on and that song comes on and I was done. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I was done. Oh, I mean, I figured, okay, Dean's dead. He's in heaven. I can stop crying now. Now I just have to hold on until Sam dies and then, you know, tears will ensue again. No, 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 no. Song had to come on in the car. And from what I've read, and I could be wrong, and I'm pretty sure if I am, somebody's going to correct me. But what I read was the scene where he's driving down that dirt road. He's driving that car off the lot, and he's taking that car home. And I've seen many Zoom um, conversations that he's been in, and he does them all from the car or from the garage sitting beside the car. But that car has been like a piece of, of Dean's wardrobe um, from right from the first episode, right from the pilot to the finale. That has been part of Dean's wardrobe. You know, the T-shirt, the, the flannel shirt, the jacket, the jeans, the boots, the car. For a while there, it was the necklace too, until the necklace summoned God and they didn't need the necklace anymore. Um... I'm actually on the season right now where Castiel has taken the necklace. So, but I have been a fan from the very beginning, from the very, very first episode. I have been a fan. And over the years, watching Supernatural... I feel I have come to know the characters. I'm not going to say I know the actors because the actors are not the characters. The actors are the actors. I have a connection to Sam and Dean, not Jensen and Jared. Because I did actually see Jensen in something else, and I did actually see Jared in something else, and I'm kind of like, eh, all right, whatever. Um, it's Sam and Dean that I have the connection with. And for 15 years, they have been part of my life. They've been family. They have gone through a lot of, strangely enough, thing, similar situations and emotions and um, issues that I've gone through. And, you know, watching them handle it and deal with it and do whatever it is that they're doing um, kind of helped me get through some pretty hard times and some pretty rough times um, inspired me to write a couple of stories and actually watching season 15 watching the final episode inspired another story I have to finish the ones that I've already started first so I have been told before I can start this one but you know it's percolating um and I'm very sad to see it go. I'm sad to see it end. And I'm very thankful for the fact that there is the internet now. And I can watch them anytime I want to on the internet. Over and over and over and over again. Um, th that is a small consolation to the fact that there will never be another new episode. There will never be a another new way for them to get their butts beat by a familiar monster. 
Because they actually kind of ran out of monsters. They've been through, I mean, 15 years of hunting monsters. They've gone through pretty much every pantheon and mythology that there is for monsters. I mean, they can start going into the subgenres, but they kind of had to end it because they were running out of really good monsters. I mean, they brought back Jenny. Come on, Jenny. Anyway, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be hard, you know, in the fall when uh, it's supposed to start up and it's not going to be there. It's not going to be on my, my, my TV schedule, Supernatural, every Thursday. It's not going to be there. Um, I have to find a new show. <laughs> so I was, I was emotionally affected by the ending. And as I know, a lot of, um, big fans of the show are, um, friend of mine, Heine, and her mom, Katie, they love Supernatural just as much as I do, and they haven't watched the season finale. I know Katie is, uh, she's got like five episodes. She's, she just can't. <laughs> she can't at the moment. So I'm like, okay, I totally get it. I couldn't either. I couldn't either. And then I was like, okay, I need to bite the bullet. I need to know what happens. I need to know how they go out. And I tell you, when, when they after Dean died and I'm kind of, I'm still holding out. I'm still waiting because you know, the body's still there. There's still a chance. Castiel could save him. Somebody could, Jack could, where's Jack? Jack's God now. Why is he not there saving him? And then the next scene you see is Dean's body wrapped and on the pyre, which is a hunter's death. That is a hunter's funeral. You burn the body so that they cannot come back. They cannot come back as a ghost. They cannot come back as a revenant. They cannot come back. Period. You burn the body. You salt the bones. You burn the body. Scatter the ashes. That's what you do. And then when Sammy lights it, and I'm still kind of holding out hope that Jack's going to swoop in and he's going to save Dean. And you watch the flames completely engulf Dean's body and you know that's it. That's it. And then the next scene is he's, you know, suddenly there in heaven and Bobby's there. Bobby's greeting him with a beer. <laughs> Letting him know the new lay of the land because heaven's changed now. But, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty emotional for me. I I was big, hiccupy, sobbing um, cries. My poor little nose is, like, seriously raw. But... It ended, in my opinion, they ended it the only way they could. And that was to take Dean out on a hunt. Because there's no way that Dean could give up hunting. He wouldn't give up hunting. Not in any way, shape, or form would he ever be able to give up hunting. And Sam would never be able to give up hunting with Dean. Which means he wouldn't have had that happy life. He wouldn't have had that marriage. He wouldn't have had that child. He wouldn't have had that peace that he had wanted and longed for right from the very beginning. Like you saw him in the pilot with Jessica and they had plans and he was going to go to law. Well, he was going to law school. He was going to be a lawyer and it was going to be a thing. And he keep, he kept trying for that life. He kept trying to settle down and, and have that, that, you know, true love and that happy ending. 
And he was not going to get that as long as Dean was alive. And as long as Dean was alive, Dean was going to save people and hunt things. He coined it in season one. They were... Uh, I think they were hunting Rougarou. But... Uh, Dean's death was exactly the end of of Dean Winchester's story in Supernatural ended exactly as it was meant to end. I couldn't see it any other way. I wouldn't be able to write it any other way. It had to end the way it ended. Accidentally stroke of bad luck on a hunt with his boots on. Just had to end that way. And Sam got his happy ending, got his happy life, his happily ever after, his child. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. I don't think we're going to see anything for a few years because, you know, you got to give the fans time to grieve. You got to give us time to, first of all, accept that it's over, that it's truly over. Like, it's it's not going to hit a lot of us until... Um, the next season's supposed to start and it's not starting. So, okay. I have talked for almost an hour and a half now. Um, I really wanted to touch on those things earlier. And I really wanted to talk about Supernatural because, like I said, it has been such a big part of my life. And I will talk to anybody about Supernatural at absolutely any chance I get, because I love the show that much. Um, not enough to write fan fiction. I will not write fan fiction because of my um, love of the show and the fact that I don't see it needing to be altered in any way, shape, or form. I don't need to... I don't see a need to write the boys doing anything other than what they're doing on the show. So, yeah. So I'm going to take my little Sam bobblehead and my little Dean bobblehead and I'm going to put them with my Star Wars cup and my Annabelle and they will hold a place of honor. And I will never take them out of the box. I've never taken them out of the box. They have not come out of the box. I want to take them out of the box. Oh, you have no idea how much I want to fondle Sam and Dean, but I will not take them out of the box. I will look at them through the plastic, my boys, and I will sign off tonight and I will probably crawl into bed with my tablet and my Amazon Prime and watch a few more episodes because um, I can never get enough of that. Mm, no. And I'm on season five, so, you know, they're still healthy and they're still happy and they're still really young. They look like babies. Oh my God. They look like babies. I'm on season four. Four? Four. They look like babies. I mean, Dean's voice hasn't even changed yet. Good grief. So, anyway, that's my take on the season finale and Castiel's exit. And, um, yeah. So, oh, I also want to remind you, lovely people. Full Moon and Howling. Speaking of all things Supernatural, they do have werewolves in Supernatural, by the way. And some of them are good. Some of them not so good. 
there's actually a really good episode with uh, Sam and a female werewolf called Madison. Um, yeah, that was one. There's several episodes. I do have to, okay, I have to say this. There's several episodes, at least one episode per season, made me cry. And it wasn't always necessarily when one of the boys died. Because after so many seasons, so many times of them dying, it's like, oh, okay, all right, they're dead. Yeah, it's great. You know, boo-hoo, yahaha, they're dead. They'll be back next season. Because th- one of the, the um, catchphrases of the show, they don't actually say it on the show, I don't think, but um, nothing ever stays dead on Supernatural. Nothing ever stays dead. Now, that could be applied to Sam and Dean in in the final episode, but I don't think it's... I mean, they burnt Sam's body, and I'm pretty sure... Or they burnt Dean's body, and I'm pretty sure Sam's son... You know, you saw the tattoo. You know he's a hunter. He took that body out, and he did the exact same thing. Uh, oh, another little Easter egg. That bridge that they closed on, um, that Dean drives up onto with the Impala, that bridge is the bridge that they cross in the first, in the pilot episode that um, starts it. That is a bridge in Vancouver. I can't remember the name of the river um, off the top of my head, but it's one of the most beautiful spots. Vancouver is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. And I will one day go there and I will see all these places that were in Supernatural. That is on my bucket list. I have a couple of bucket lists. I have a Supernatural bucket list because it just requires a list all its own. Um, and I have a musical bucket list and, um, when I do, when the border finally does open and I do actually make the road trip to California, I will be ticking off a couple of things on my bucket list. Um, one of the biggest ones, it will be driving through Winslow, Arizona, and I'm going to find the first corner I can, and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to take a selfie and I'm going to send it to, um, my brother Brian (laughs) because he is a big Eagles fan and you know what if a flatbed Ford happens to drive by at the moment that I am taking that picture life will be complete for me (laughs) just saying anyway okay I'm still talking I need to stop talking I need to wrap this up because we are now hitting an hour 25 and I still have to spin this down and send it off and pray that the entire entire podcast actually gets sent this time you would not believe the amount of stuff you guys missed in the last podcast because for some reason okay actually i know why it was recorded in that house with that energy so that completely explains what happened to the recording it's completely fine on my phone which is where i record it's completely fine in the converter it's completely fine in the google drive somewhere between the google drive and it being downloaded to be edited, it lost chunks. There were chunks missing. The complete ending was missing. And I did an end. I always do an end. And it was gone. It was just gone. There was like three or four minutes missing from the, like from the entire show. Um, so I'm hoping that I don't run into that problem this week. Um, I was running off of a hotspot last week, so this week I'm actually plugged into the internet, so it should work all fine and dandy. Crap, I am in a trailer full of fake wood, so I can't even knock. Wait, 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 aha! Knock, 
beaver puke. <laughs> Touch beaver puke wood. It works. Okay. All right. So I'm out of here. Um, anyway, full moon and howling. It's out. Go buy one, please. Um, I edited, edited. Oh, good God. I can do it. I can't say it. I was the editor. Ha ha. See, you change the sentence to a, because you can't say the word. I was the editor on Full Moon and Howling, and I also have a story in there, too. So, um, go and get a copy. I'll sign it when the border opens if you're in the States. Um, okay, so don't forget, Mondays is uh, The World of Myth Bits. Wednesdays is My Public Life as an American Nerd, until I am told otherwise. And Fridays is me, Lupa's Bits. And you can find me on Facebook at Lupa Barty. You can find me at Stephanie J. Barty. You can find me at the World of Myth Magazine. You can find me... Um, oh, I do have, actually, I have a poem in the magazine this month, too. So go over there, read it, and vote. Um, that's not a request. <laughs> it's 1229 at night. I am no longer giving requests. I'm giving orders. Do it. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I have several accounts on Instagram. Uh, there's Stephanie J. There's Stephanie J. Barty, author. There is, uh, Lupus Bits, the podcast. There is Lou Who Baskets. Um, and then on TikTok, I do this thing called Coffee Time or Coffee Talk, Coffee Talk. And you can find me at Lady Lou Who. L-U-H-O-O, as in Lou, me, who, owl. That's my mascot. So, all right. I hope you guys have a good week. And I will talk to you all next week. I will have a whole bunch of new tales about my niece and my nephew and all things Christmassy and wonderful and all that good stuff. Okay, everybody. Have a good one. See ya. There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry, Don't you cry.